Welcome to the fifth episode of the Invincibly Super Massive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. My name is Tony Guerrero. I'm the editor-in-chief of Comic Vine. And this is our second podcast where I, I usually take questions from the community, from you guys. But I often, I have been lately, getting special guests. And I have a super special guest this week, Mr. Dan Slott, writer of Amazing Spider-Man. How you doing? Hello! Hey, Tony. Great. So it's uh, soon to be um, you're 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 killing the series. You're ending it. You're destroying Amazing Spider-Man after 50 yes. years. Yes, I'm I'm taking everything, you know, and love. I'm crumpling it up. I'm shoving it in the Cuisinart and I'm just holding my finger on the frappe button. I'm so, just going, oh, no, my childhood. <laughs> and I, and I've heard that. I think um, I, th- I think we're we how do you feel about talking about the spoilers at this point? Because this is um this is the the day six ninety nine is is about to hit the stores when today. when when we record today today six ninety nine today so, so it's been what two weeks now since the spoilers uh, been out yeah yeah no we let let's spoil the hell out of this if I, you haven't read six nine eight turn this off now turn this off it. now but if you but you guys all know this by now six nine eight all right so. Let's just start. So now Doc Ock, Dr. Octopus, has control of Spider-Man's body. Oh, my God. And Peter Parker. It's, it's, it's Freaky Friday. That's what someone said to me. I didn't even think of it like that. But someone. There, there you go. See, see, you know, there's all there's going to be the conspiracy theories now that since Disney bought us. Uh-huh. <laughs> you must do this. But what you will see in 699 is that we have been building to this story since Amazing Spider-Man 600. You, I remember you mentioning that. And before I read the issue, before I read 698, I went back and I, I tracked down 600. And so I read it. So I was like, okay, what? I wasn't really sure. Then after reading 698, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because, okay, and I just uh, to recap what happened in, in 600, for those who haven't read it or don't remember, Doc Ock is dying. He wants to take over. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to do good, right? He yeah, wanted, he, he wants to. The way it worked was Doc Ock. Uh, he from all the years of his brutal beatings at the hands of Spider Man and and others uh, is he's like like a prize fighter. He, he's a normal guy, and he's taken all these blows to the head and all these radiation blasts and one thing after another, and he is a wreck. Um, and he, he finds out in Marvel time, Marvel time, he's only got like 18 months to live. He's got a you know, year to 18 months tops. Um, and he that, that puts everything into sharp focus for Doc. And he realizes he really hasn't achieved anything in his life. You know, anything he's kind of achieved through super villainy, Spider-Man's completely defeated him. Um, he has no, no victory under the belt. And he wants to do something so that people remember him. Like in the past, he, there is even a brief time when he tried to cure cancer. So it's, it's very much staying in character that he wants to, he wants to leave his mark. Um, and what he does is he takes these octobots, these little mini octobots, and he's 
the same way he can use his brain to control his arms. He uses his brain to control these little tiny octobots and he gets them to kind of infect his brain signals, his brain patterns into every machine in New York City. And he is going to leave behind the perfectly automated, automated uh, city of the future where all the trains will run on time. Everything will work in smooth concert because his mind will be the mind of New York. And of course, since he's Doc Ock, everything goes horribly wrong. And has to save the city. And at the end of, of 600 of the story, so Spider-Man puts on this brain helmet and tries to take control. So Spider-Man then, uses his brain patterns to take to rewrite the Doc Ock brain patterns. He is going, he's going to, Spider-Man's mind will control the city and put everything back to normal. And he uses the same technology that Doc Ock used to form a link between his mind and the machine Spider-Man uses the exact same machine to put his mind controlling the machine. So I think that right there kind of says, kind of tells a lot. And, you know, you said. Smart move. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. And so, he, uh, at one point he even uses the machine going, wow, this uses the same kind of frequency you, your mind uses to control your arms. Here, I'm controlling your arms now. So, oh man, Spidey put his brain patterns all over the place, didn't he? Yeah. So then. The, the question after 698 is like, so when did this switch happen? And is, is that something that's addressed in 699? Or is it, are you going to leave it kind of vague, like the exact moment? Uh, 699 will, like, well, the way we've been describing it is 698 is the magic trick. It's when we, we swapped brains. Um, we, it's when we revealed that there was a, a mind swap. Um, and 699, if 698 is the magic trick, 699 is where we turn over all the cards. We show you exactly how the mind swipe uh, happened, um, all the little pieces that built it on the way, all the ways we got there, um, and when exactly the switch took place. Okay. We show you everything. Um, but that's only, uh, in the grand scheme of things, that's only like a two-page sequence. So there's much more going on in 699, but 699 will answer all the burning questions you've had from 698. Okay. Because when I first read it, I was, I was like, there's no way it happened in issue 600. You're going to have to read 699. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anything away. I am being, you know, Mr. I'm, I'm so protective of this story. We worked for so long um, to get this to you guys. I really want you to experience it on the page. And and I, I, open dream. Yeah, I, I strongly encourage that too because um, I had heard that it – leaked out before and you know some people were like warning me to like you know watch out and i i'm so glad i was able to to avoid it until you know i got a physical copy and, and read it and the, the the leaks were everywhere and god bless everyone who avoided it uh, i don't know and for the record for the record no leaks from the marvel side was there a big news story no there was nothing <laughs> you know we were so good everyone on marvel on editorial and and Arun and James and all these guys at Marvel were were so diligent at keeping this under wraps so that you the readers could experience it on the page when it was happening. How, how'd you manage that? Because it's like you know, Human Torch is going to die. It, there it is. You know, Tuesday morning. And, um, and to make it worse, Marvel even sent out an email. You know, like a press email that that, <laughs> that mentioned it, like in the title. 
Uh, I, I know it's like, thanks. And when we do stuff like that, it gets more butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. It gets more people who are out there who aren't comic book readers or who are lapsed comic book readers to go, oh, my God, Captain America died. I better pick that up. And I, I know it drives you guys crazy. Uh, it drives me crazy a little, too, because as a storyteller, you, you want the readers to read it like that. But it really is good for us in the long run for all of us. Because it gets more audience, it gets more eyeballs onto comics, uh, it gets more potential new readers into the stores, and you need that. You need that for the longevity of this industry. You need that to, so we can keep producing the quality books that we put out. Definitely. Um, you know, you, you want your you know your Brubaker Captain Americas. You want you know you want them to do well. Well, you need people to read that Death of Cap issue. You you want you're really enjoying everything on Jonathan Hickman's FF. Well. It really helps that more people run in there and buy that issue of FF uh, where the Human Torch dies. Uh, and I know it sucks. And I'm, I'm going to say it to you now. Uh, Spider-Man 700 comes out on the 26th of December. It comes uh, the day after Christmas. This comes out. Marvel is only putting out two books that day. There are only going to be two books on the rack. There's going to be Amazing Spider-Man 700 and Avenging Spider-Man 15.1. And I'm telling you now. This you have to read them in this order. You have to go seven hundred first because Avenging fifteen point one will spoil seven hundred for you. Avenging fifteen point one, great book by Chris Yost, takes place right after seven hundred. It is the the sequel. It's it's here's oh wow, all this happened in seven hundred. Here's what immediately happens afterwards because you'll be like oh I gotta know and here's how you can find out. Um, but that too, I'm I'm also telling you. Stay off the internet. You know, give, avoid it. Do not look for spoilers. Don't, you know, if you know you're picking it up, just take a break from the internet for one day. Don't read any newspapers. Don't read, don't look at it. Just know you're going to go and buy it <laughs> and read it because the spoilers are going to be flying fast and furious on, uh, on, you know, December 25th and December 26th. Don't. Don't look. I, you know it's going to come. You know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you know an, an interview in a newspaper or some press release or someone who got it a day ahead and scanned it, I, you know it's it's going to be out there. You don't look for it because <laughs> because Marvel's already released a, a preview for seven hundred. It came out the day six ninety eight came out, and you know. And one of the ways that we kept six ninety eight a secret is we slapped a big classified mm-hmm. a sticker. Over two of uh, two word balloons, yeah, um, and that was you know that's God bless everybody at Marvel because I have been a lunatic. I have been driving everyone crazy, going, "What pages are you running? Let me see. You need to put a balloon right there. You just stop it." And everyone's like, Gee, "Chill." I'm like, no, I've just been I've been so tightly wound because I really want people to. You know, uh, th- oh, this story means so much to me. I this one, this is oh, it's a good one. So um, should those word balloons still be classified? Uh, yes, okay. yes. Don't don't look at them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd rather you didn't even look at that preview. Just know you're going to go in and buy because we're going to do some awesome stuff. Um, and it it really is going to be like a Spidey tale for the ages. Uh, you know, it is a tale of triumph and tragedy in the mighty Marvel manner. Now, how long is is the the main story? Because it's it's a big book. It is epic. And it's like eight eight dollars, I think. It's it's twice the price, 
but it's three and a half times the content over, over three and a half times the content of original material. And there will be lots of extras too, including a, you know, a massive letter column where Stan Lee writing all the answers in. Cool. Yeah, I know. We got Stan the man. That's great. And he answers all the letters from uh, fans for that for that letter column. We extended it, so it's a super massive letter column. We have nicknamed Stancers. <laughs> um, but uh, you get a 52 page lead story uh, by myself and Umberto Ramos with with inks by Victor and colors by Edgar. It's gorgeous. Uh, you get a 16 page uh, a story that is it's it's beautiful. It's a, it's a wonderful story by Spider-Man legend J.M. DeMattis mm-hmm. and drawn by our wonderful Giuseppe Comicoli. Um, you get uh, Jan Van Meter and Stephanie Buscema doing an eight-page Spidey Black Cat story. It's adorable. Um, there's, there's a cover gallery. There's, there's all kinds of wonderful uh, extras, too, but you get, you know, over 70 pages of content, um, which is, you know, boom. That's it's over three and a half times the content uh, for twice the price. It's a pretty darn good deal. Um, there you go. And I, I, I told you because I, I read six ninety eight with my daughter, and um, I, I explained to her. I, I filled her in. I because I, you, know, you know she saw the cover and she like does does Doctor Octopus know his his secret? So I had to explain to her Civil War that you know when he <laughs> revealed his identity, I had had to explain. Um, one more, you know, brand new day, um, the Mephisto stuff, mm. <laughs> and and how you know the the seek then the, how to, one moment in time it kind of changed and then you know the the, the magical spell was kind of breaking down. And you didn't need any of that, did you? And then I I, I even <laughs> I even explained the Clone Saga. Oh no! Just just in case. <laughs> and and so then we we read the issue, and when we we got to the page, she was just like silent. She just looked at it. So I was like, what do you think? And she's like, it'll go back. <laughs> so she, she's nine oh, years old. She's so created, jaded. She created a jaded, cynical reader. That's wonderful. I mean, she, um, she knows a character dies. They're going to come back. Uh, we, we've already, uh, we've already um, seen like some really great uh, response from little kids. And the most frequent thing the youngest readers say over and over again is fix it. <laughs> Like oh my god, they're so invested. Exit. <laughs> but yeah, and and there is a comments that, like you know Marvel ruined my childhood. But it's like like no, it, it, I, we did it in an issue that's the prelude. Yeah, I, I love that we end an issue in a cliffhanger where the hero is facing insurmountable odds, and people are mad about that. That's great because you I I'm so used to the opposite. I'm so used to I've put Spidey in this terrible predicament. And then some person online going, oh, like he's not getting out of that. <laughs> I know you're doing Spider-Man next month. And you're like, this is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? And it's the, you know, it's the same guy. <laughs> it's the same guy uh, who's also the same guy that when we released that uh, very misleading, um, though accurate, uh, um, solicit for 698. Where we we said that Doc Ock knows Peter Parker's identity. Well, he does. That's true. Um, the the big reaction you got from the most cynical and jaded uh, people online was, "Oh, like that hasn't happened three times before." 
And I'm just sitting there going, that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. And none of those guys are eating crow. Not a one of them. Because they all have the new uh, talking point, which is, yeah, well, this is lame. (laughs) I love the internet. The internet's. I've been having so much fun with the internet on this one. Uh, Between the the fake tweet um, that that rankled everybody. Are you talking about about, uh, Miles? Yeah. No, no, no. Or no, not Miles. um, Miguel? Miguel. Okay. Um, I I think I've learned how to use and abuse the internet this time around. All right. Then let me ask you. um, The tweet to the retailer saying, guys, trust me, you haven't ordered enough of 698. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, "Uh, he's full of it. And now I'm getting all these wonderful notes from retailers going, you were right. So it's, yeah, I think because we, when you think about it, Tony, we didn't do any hype for 698. No. Everyone keeps calling it this overhyped issue. Did you you see a a house ad for it? Did you see like, you know, any kind of, you know, like ads for it anywhere? Um, No, the the, the hype for it was uh, Bleeding Cool ran a, a thing saying, um, this is going to be a, like we've somehow got a copy of it ahead of time. This is going to be a pivotal issue. Um, that wasn't us leaking it to Bleeding Cool. That was that was just Bleeding Cool. I don't know how they did it. Yeah, they got uh, spies everywhere. And, and then when I did when I saw that, that's when I made a tweet to retailer saying, you know, he's right, and you haven't ordered enough. And it was from that tweet and my fake tweet, so two tweets that created all this mystery about six nine eight. So that's this overhyping you've been hearing about. Two tweets. <laughs> and somehow it's become the most overhyped issue of the year. Dear God. <laughs> it's like, you know, Brevoort, uh says said this thing to me once. He's saying, because I was complaining about, um, I can't even remember what I was working on at the time. Maybe it was The Thing. Maybe it was She-Hulk. I was complaining that uh, my book wasn't getting promoted enough. And he said, you know who complains about their book not getting promoted enough? Everyone. Bendis thinks Avengers isn't promoted enough. (laughs) Everybody thinks their book isn't promoted enough. Um, And so every now and then when I see my books getting promoted enough, I go, you know what? It's promoted. The 700, oh boy, did they promote 700. There are are little postcards in the store. There are, uh, you know, there's double page ads in the books. There's, you know, you, you click on... A major comic news site. It's the wallpaper. You know, I, I look at that and go, yes, 700 has been pimped to the moon. But 698, it was a cover with a sick old man's head on it. <laughs> you know, it was this, nobody expected it. Um, we knew what it was. Um, and I was quite content to let it be like a sleeper hit thing that people freaked out about. But, you know, they, they ran the, uh, the thing on Bleeding Cool. So I made one tweet, <laughs> and boom! So there you go. Now I I also I, um are are you getting feedback here? Yeah, no, I'm good. Okay, so okay. I, was, I was like, I'm hearing myself. Okay, it's good okay. now. Um, there is also a like a character design um, thing. I, I'm not sure if it was, was if it was from Ryan, where it's 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 showing Superior Spider-Man, and it's got like some some notes on that. Is that Real? If, do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. You, it's Ed McGinnis's uh, character designs for uh, Superior Spider-Man. Okay, because like on his foot, there's like a little looks like a little claw. There's he has like a, a Japanese uh, like Tabi. Is it Tabi? Is that the right word? 
I don't know. The sock where your your uh, big toe is separated from the rest of your foot. Okay, that's what that was. Because it almost looked like there's like a claw underneath. And then I, um, it does have. I think there is a yeah. There's like a, a toe pick kind of claw thing, and he has retractable claws in his um, at the end of his fingers. Um, and he's got like there are different elements to the Superior Spider-Man costume. And obviously, you can't comment on, on why. I, I will say this: uh, the claws do something else other than just claw. Okay. And they're, they're, it's not you know you're like it's to help him walk up walls. It's to, I've seen every kind of theory about it. No one's really hit on what the claws do because uh, the can they be used as claws? Yeah, they can be used as claws, but they 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 do something else. Um, it, it yeah, okay. I'm, I'm Getting back to being mum. Okay, because then the other thing there is there's also a little note about the nose. Yes. And and um, so I, I, I told you before we started re- recording, so I'll throw this theory out and, and you can just ignore it or if, if you want to comment great or not. So this is from James, James Syme. He's the owner of Isotope in San Francisco. Okay. And he, he tweeted this in, in Facebook. He, he did a very um, – he, he, he did like the – it was a Spider-Man math or Spider-Man algebra where he was using a lot of codes like like PP plus OO in parentheses times the power of MTLV. So that was his, his theory about how – I have no idea what MTLV stands and, and see, I didn't either because you get the other ones and because this is his theory about how um, Peter can, can, can move on. Can, you know, he's, he's trapped in, in Doc Ock's body now. So that's the the PP um, plus OO. Their, their their minds are their brain patterns are in each other's minds. And then so he also clarified that um, MTLV could also be replaced by MM. And then you know because he didn't want to just... wait. So Elko, he's going for MM as Miles Morales. No, 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 no. Uh, as um um Michael Morbius. Michael Morbius. So and here's so here's his theory. He's saying because Morbius has been. Oh, like, like a reoccurring. Morbius, oh, I got you. Morbius, the living vampire. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, MTLV. Yeah, that threw me off too. Okay. And so he he's saying that because Morbius has been, you know, at Horizon Labs, he's been a recurring character. He's got his own book. That yeah, we we first showed he was the guy in Lab Six back in Spider Island. Mm-hmm. So he has been running through the book. Uh, we've also you know we saw him in the point one issue. Um, we saw him, uh, prominently featured in the lizard four parter this summer. Um, and we, uh, uh, we saw him at the raft. Yeah. So yes. And we've already announced that we are doing a, uh, Morbius book with Joe Keating and the art team from six, nine, uh, eight, my buddy, Rich. Cool. So yeah, it's a gorgeous looking book. And, in the middle of the Dying Wish arc, which is 698, 699, and 700, there will be a issue 699.1, um, which will show you what Morbius was doing in 699, and it sets up Morbius's new series. Okay, so, so James' theory is yes. because Peter's in this frail, old, dying body, he's like, how can he, he survive Get Michael Morbius to turn him into a vampire, and then and then he can be have all these powers. And he was saying that's why in that image he's got the, the the little pointed nose. But then I had to tell him, 
Well, we've seen the cover to Superior Spider-Man number two, where this Spider-Man is kissing Mary Jane. I'm assuming it's Mary Jane. And the mask is pulled up. And I was like, but you can see his nose. He's like, you're right. But he's, he's still sticking to it. So, well, you know, I guess, you know, if someone had vampiric powers, they could make themselves look or appear to someone as ever, however they want it. Possibly. So that, that's his theory. But I, I don't. That, I, that is a very interesting theory. I, I like it, except for the, the nose. I mean, because that, that, the sketch, it's like he's got the little pointy nose. So it's like, hmm. 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 I, I have to go. Going back to the beginning of Big Time. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you've caught on from, from my reviews and, and my tweets. I love the original Hobgoblin. Hey. Because um, like, that, that whole thing, when I first started reading comics in the 80s, that's, like, he was, you know, it was the, the big mystery. And I, I came in like just shy after he was he first. This, this is the secret of comics. It's it's like that famous quote about science fiction. The golden age of science fiction is twelve. <laughs> Whatever you are reading or watching when you're twelve is the greatest thing in the world. There are so many people I've met that now that are just to them Spider Man is Ben Riley, and and because that's when they started reading mm-hmm. and. How did, you know, oh, you got to bring Ben Riley back. Bring Ben Riley back. We love Ben Riley. But you talk to anyone who was starting reading then and read either before or after, and they think Ben Riley is the stupidest thing in the world. See, and that must be the exception. So, okay, so going to the Hobgoblin. So I love the whole mystery because I think it was like a like a 14 year. I don't know if it was 14 years. It was a long time until we finally found out the whole story. But I thought it was great. You know, all these, you know, throwing tricks left and right. We didn't know. And then you kill him off. Phil Urich, who just chops his head off. But I, I think I still gave that issue a five. I, oh, I loved thank you. Because there were people that were like frothing at the mouth. And I, I was one. I was like, I, I was in shock. And and because I, I remember right before that issue came out, um, we we used to do more frequently these uh, three minute expert videos, where it's like a history of the character, do all this like animation you know throwing me in panels all, all this you know high-tech editing and stuff and so i did one on the hop goblin because i i love the character and then you killed him no but but then you got me and and you, you brought him back and we we chopped off the head of a character wearing a mask mm-hmm. we chopped off the head of a character who had a magical machine called the winkler device which he frequently used to hypnotize other people into thinking they were the hobgoblin <laughs> We cut off the head of a guy in a costume and a mask who had an identical twin brother who he would frequently send out in his place. Yeah. It's like, dude. You got me. Yeah. Um, I, this is some of the stuff I just live for, that people don't give me enough credit. Like they'll read stuff in other comics that feel like a cop-out, and then they go, you, you, you know – I read this comic. Well, don't talk about that. Talk about the stuff I've done. I've had like guys freak out um, over Spider-Man losing his spider sense for what was it something like uh, seventeen issues or something mm-hmm. during the big time run, yeah. where he loses it during the um, the Revenge of the Spider Slayer arc, mm-hmm. um, and then he doesn't get it back till the climax of Spider Island. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you have this big chunk of time where Spider-Man doesn't have Spider-Sense. And so many fans, you know, you, you see this all the time. You did X in a comic, X, Y, or Z in a comic. So I'm dropping it. <laughs> I'm never reading it again. 
You've ruined my childhood. You've spoiled Spider-Man. I read through Sin's past. I read through the Clone Saga. I read through Aunt May being replaced by an actress with brain stuff shoved in her head. I read, everyone like this, I read through Six-Armed Spider-Man. I made it through all of this. But this is what made me drop it. X, Y, or Z. Um, and it's always something. You killed the Hobgoblin. I'm dropping the book. No, but see, with, with the Hobgoblin. His spider sense. It's his greatest power. You can't do that without his spider sense. He is a Spider-Man. Why are you doing this to me? And then, look, it's back. And now he knows Spider-Foo. That's right. Spider, he knows a martial arts that Shang-Chi developed for him so he can fight like a spider and use his powers. And it's awesome. And they're like, wow, and now he's got that and spider sense. He's so cool. I'm like, thank you. Show a little faith. So it's like, you know, I think it's fair that, you know, we've been building to this since 600. Uh, and you will see in 699 all the pieces along the way that we've sewn that you didn't quite realize. And then, oh, my God, it all comes together. And and now this is happening. This insane thing is happening for the last three issues of Amazing Spider-Man, um, the, this giant climax, uh, you know, have a little faith. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, like when you kill Hobgoblin, you know, his head, his head was chopped off. And I figured... In a Phil, mask! In a oh. mask. But I figured Phil, he's like, oh, I'm going to use this as a paperweight or something like that. So I was like, I was like, people can figure it out. But I knew because it was a comic, and I was like, there could be some way he could possibly... I had, I had, I had faith. I had hope. And I was, I was like, I was upset, but I didn't say, I never said I was going to drop the, you know, I, I, like I said, I gave the, the issue a five. I loved it. Even though there, I hit. There, there have been characters reduced to Ash. Ash. You ever read that, um, the John Byrne FF run? Yes. There is a moment where Dr. Doom <laughs> reassembles his body that was turned to Ash, molecule by molecule. You know, and 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 refixes himself. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had I get it. How many times has the Red Skull died? Jeez. You know, how many times has he died stuck in a cosmic cube? Mm-hmm. How many times Thanos was turned into a living? He was turned into a statue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, Bucky. We brought back Bucky. You know, it's comics. But what you need to do is you need – it's, it's, here's the, the rub. You, you treat it you, – you, you have faith in the people that you like their stories and you follow them. Uh, but you just – you got to drop the jaded party of going, how will this happen or what will that – just go with the story, man. It's fun. It's like I, I have that opinion too and guys like Reward have to beat it out of me where when I was writing Spidey and – Jonathan killed off the Human Torch. When I read that scene, I'm like, "Well, he, he didn't die. He was just buried under by a ton of insect men in the negative zone." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a giant horde of them, but he's the Human Torch. What well, you know? And and Brevoort was like, "No, we were playing this as if he died." I'm like, "Well, as soon as Spider-Man hears how he died, Spider-Man's not going to believe it." And he, you know, because I'm writing Spider-Man, I don't believe it. You know, because I'm being jaded comic book fan. Human Torch will be back. You know? Um, and Tom's like, you can't play it that way. And and he's like, you really, you got to play it 
like this Spider-Man believes he's dead. That's where the drama comes from. That if you do it any other way, you're underselling Jonathan's story. You know, you have to be true to Jonathan's story. You have to treat this as if the human torch died. And that's what Spider-Man has to believe that. And as soon as I made that leap, you know, and I, I didn't make him like, a, you know, I'm not writing Deadpool who breaks the fourth wall. I'm writing Spider-Man. And this is his best friend. And if the, if the thing and Reed Richards and people tell him he's dead, he's dead. And by accepting that, I think I was able to, you know, write one of my favorite issues of, of the Spider-Man run. Mm-hmm. With Spider-Man going to the FF for the wake. Yeah. And I, I loved working on that issue. And Marcos and Giuseppe and Nuno and, um, and Ty, we, I, I was so proud of that issue. Uh, and so much of it came from letting my jaded side drop and, and giving into the fantasy of the human torch is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm at, I'm at Marvel retreats. I get to hear the long plans. I, I knew how, how Jonathan planned on bringing him back and when and where and what would be going on. And we were already starting to cobble together stories like, oh, maybe they could be roommates when he gets back. You know, we're already working that far. But you, when it comes time to, to write that story, you really got to earnestly feel you got to play into what it is. Yeah. Uh, that I, I kind of part of me wishes that readers could do that, too. It's really hard in this day and age of the Internet where if you're jaded, and you go online and you can find 12 other jaded people to back you up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can travel in a pack to another message board and get some more people to be jaded and so on and so on. It, it, it would be so nice if people could just sit down and like, tell me a story. Yeah. You know, let's, let's just jump into this world and have fun. Um, Eh, but, I, you know, I get it. Comics are a medium that have been around for like 75 years. The Marvel Universe, you know, the, 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 in this Marvel age, I'm not talking about the timely stuff, but like we've been around for 50 years. Yeah. And you've seen so many stories. You've seen, you know, um, I, I was saying to someone, like, like one of the problems you get a lot when you're working on a book, especially like Spidey, is – you'll need an opening sequence or, or, or a scene where Spider-Man is, is fighting somebody to get you in on the action. And you're like, Oh man, I do not want to write another freaking bank robber. How, how many, how many times have, you know, if I've written 70 issues of Spider-Man, Oh my God, I got no, not a bank robber. <laughs> so, you know, we get, we get jaded too. Um, you, you start trying to think outside the box and you start going, okay, not a bank robbery, not a jewel robbery, not a heist. <laughs> you know, is he robbing a grocery store? What's he? <laughs> God, how many crimes? How many crimes can there be where you put on a costume and use your powers? The, you know, I, I remember reading, um, there's like a DC book from the, I want to say the seventies where Captain Boomerang and, somebody else like another like mirror master or something they did instead of just robbing a bank they just walk into a mcdonald's and rob. <laughs> they're hungry this is lunch and i'm like that's awesome we gotta do more stuff like that you know uh, i need to get some stuff for my you know from the hardware store i don't why don't why do i need to rob the bank just rob the hardware store <laughs> you know, i need some new light fixtures and that ladder 
Put them in. At least that way you wouldn't have another bank heist. All right. So you, so you mentioned the Clone Saga and the, the the haters of that. I actually, I'm I'm a big fan of Ben Riley. And I'm a fan of Ben Riley too. So uh, yeah. Here here's my theory, and I, you know I, I've written about this. I don't care. I mean, any writer is well. I'm not saying I'm I'm you know qualified to be a Spider-Man writer, but I don't buy that he's dead. I I still because not just because I, I love the character so much, but I'm holding on to hope that he's still alive. And plus, it's comic books. So here's my theory. Oh no, Ben Riley is dead, Tony. No, he's not because yeah. because <laughs> he was a perfect clone, and he did not have that genetic flaw that made him decompose. So he's a perfect clone. Then he gets kidnapped by Norman Osborn, he, and then he gets impaled, and he falls, whatever, however many stories, he lands on, on a cab or something like that, and then he tells Peter to like, tell, tell your, you know, your daughter not to forget about her Uncle Ben, and then he dies, and then he disintegrates. That does not make sense, because he was the perfect clone. He was like, like a regular human. He didn't have the flaw to decompose, so there's absolutely no reason, just because he dies, that his body should decompose like instantaneously. So my theory is because Norman Osborn is such a jerk, he, he saw how close Peter and Ben were, that they were like brothers. So he's like, yeah, I could kill him, but I'm going to do something worse. I'm going to kidnap him, keep him locked up in a dungeon wherever or something. I'm going to have another clone made because there's clones coming left and right. I'll program him with some, some personality so Peter will think that Ben died and he's going to mourn him. But he's really locked up for whatever crazy scheme I'll use later. That's my theory. That that sounds like a perfectly valid theory. So I've been waiting for it to happen, waiting for someone to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. There's no reason for him to. And I get, I get, I, I'll go on a rant about this. Like, there's no reason for him to. De- and I get why Marvel did it at the time because when when they tried saying that Ben was the real one and and Peter was a clone, that people flipped out. You know, because the Spider-Man they read for 20 years, you know, they didn't want to be a copy. So then they, they tried switching it back, but there's always a doubt. So they're like, okay, he decomposed. It's, it's, it's settled. We're done. Let's move on. But I, I just, I don't buy it. Okay. <laughs> so, so if you I'm ever. I'm not saying squat. <laughs> well, if you ever need, need, if you ever want to beat a, beat a hero to bring Ben back, there you go. I'll give that for free. That, that's high on my list. <laughs> It's like, did you did you read my Spidey uh, Torch mini? Yeah, yeah. There's that bit where like you'll notice it's like a five part mini, but back then there was like six. There was like uh, six clear kind of uh, not decades, but points we were covering. Mm-hmm. One of the places we completely skip is in the '90s, <laughs> and then you have that thing in issue five where they're going. You remember the time we did this and the time we did that, and then they jump to the what would should logically be the missing issue if it was a six issue mini you know like here's the one error you didn't touch on and and uh johnny's like what about the time we did that and spidey just goes that wasn't me that was a clone what about that clone that clone that clone he's like let's just skip over that whole period and that was kind of like me that was me in the mask saying that <laughs> just there there's sometimes like everyone's got their favorite eras um and I, you know i grew up in the 70s um so I was reading, I was reading Spider-Man, um, like Gil Kane, Ross Andrews, Spider-Man, uh, in, in amazing, but Marvel tales was also coming out at the same time. So I was also, while I was reading the 70s stories, I was able to 
also get caught up on all the 60s stories too. Yeah, that's what I, how I did it. Yeah, and the stuff that I missed, it was the perfect time to jump in because all the stuff I missed in Marvel Tales was coming out in the uh, pocket comics, those little digests. So I was able to completely get caught up and up to speed as a young reader in the 70s with all the 60s uh, stuff in, in uh, reprints and all the uh, current stuff going on. But when I first met Spider-Man, he had the Spider-Mobile. He was growing six arms. He was – it was the most crazy stuff. I, I just – oh, man, I loved it to bits. You know, Gwen died. What? Spoiler. <laughs> um it was all this stuff going on. Um, and, and to me, the, it, I could see someone who like read it. I've met people who read it in the 60s and then stopped in the 70s because they thought it was silly. <laughs> Spider-Mobile, this, that, the other. Oh, that was, that was terrible. And then, like, you know, you read it in the 80s and there's kinds of weirdness in there. Um, every Every decade. And I guess, you know the reason I wasn't twigging to the 90s stuff was more about my, my physical age than it was about what was going on in the book. It was more about where I was at the age where I'm like, well, these are comic books and they're silly. You know, yeah. <laughs> I made it through grade school. I made it through, uh, I made it through, uh, high school and junior high. And I started reading them in college and I was still reading them in college. And then I just kind of hit this zone where I was like, why am I reading comic books? These are childish. This is silly. But luckily, I grew out of that. And went right back in and went, wee! Have you been watching the, the animated Ultimate Spider-Man? Um, this is one of the sad, scary things. Uh, since I started working on Amazing and, you know, from working on it three times a month with the, with the web heads and now twice a month um, by myself on the solo uh, big time run. It re- I'm, you know, I'm I'm not a Bendis. I'm not a Jeff Johns. I'm not. There are these guys that can write like five books a month, and I, that's not me. Uh, you hit two books, and I start creaking. Um, it, I'm I'm very slow. I'm very meticulous. Um, I I obsess over everything, um, and because of that it just really eats up all my time. Um, so yeah, stuff like it's it's rare when I get to go out and see a movie, or when I jump into watching a show. Um, like I have my few shows that I'm really dedicated to. I've seen some episodes of Ultimate because I was writing the first issue of the comic, mm-hmm. so I wanted to get the feel right. Um, but the sad thing was, a lot of that was those episodes I saw were like advanced screening stuff at Marvel retreats. So it was while I was working. You know, it's like, oh, this is nice. I don't have to go home and watch it. I can watch it here at the retreat. Um, it, it's just weird. It's like uh, the biggest dent, uh, and this is going to sound sad, uh, the biggest dent is in my video game playing. I used to be a huge uh, video game freak with every possible system and and uh, mod chip so I could play video games from um, from Japan. And I, I just had, it was it was crazy. Um, um, how much video game stuff and games were in this apartment. Yeah, I was the same way. And it's like, I have no time for that. Yeah, I, I haven't, I have like, there are games where I'm like, oh, I love this game. And the sequel came out and it is still in the wrapper. Mm-hmm. My my copy of Portal 2 has never left the wrapper. <laughs> and 
Portal was one a game I made time for, and I, I loved it. You need a portal to portal it out of there. I know. So it's like I I not opened my Portal to uh, like the only video games I play nowadays are uh, Marvel Pinball on Xbox Live because I can play it for like fifteen or twenty minutes and mm-hmm. stop and and save where I am on like playing a ball and then go back to work or um, the Capcom fighting games because yeah. I can play it for like ten or fifteen minutes and stop. But and like I have the latest um, like the latest movie Amazing Spider Man game and mm-hmm. I. Want to play this? It's a you know, it's the open sandbox again, and you can get the big time costume, <laughs> get uh, you know Ryan Scarlet Spider costume, and I, I want to play that. And I've played it for all of like 10, 15 minutes, and I'm like, I have no time. I have no time, Tony. I know. I I actually I pre-ordered the game, and then I was like, I'm not gonna be able to play this, so I I, I canceled my pre-order because I knew I wasn't gonna be able to. I. And- I, I I bought uh, Arkham City, mm-hmm. even though my Arkham Asylum was still in the wrapper. <laughs> and then I was like, "Screw this! I'm going to make time for this." Everyone's talking about this, so but I felt like I couldn't play Arkham City until I played Arkham Asylum. Uh-huh. Busted out my Arkham Asylum. I played it for like all of like you know an hour one day, an hour the next day, an hour the next, day. and I'm like, I got to stop. I got to go back to work. And it's it's still there. It, it kills me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat. But but here's the thing. It's like I did this convention recently in London uh, with Chris Claremont, and uh, and we were talking about stuff. And Chris was telling me stories of of you know uh, X Men in the day, and um, and at one point he said to me, he's like, you know, you have to, you know, this is your time. You have to enjoy it. And I was sitting there grinning like an idiot. Like, look at me. <laughs> You think I'm not? I know this. I know these are the salad days. This is the time when I get to write Spider-Man. You know, that there will come a time where I'm booted off this book, you know, where I've done my time. Um, like right now, um, I'm clocking in at for amazing, not for Spider-Man, just for amazing. I'm clocking in at, in the three spot, not for quality, but for quantity. Um, you know, you got Stan, you got, um, Michelini and you got me. Yeah. You, you, um, were able to survive the, the Marvel now shakeup by, yep. even though you're not really writing same Spider-Man, but you are, but you're not, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, but also the, like there are other guys out there. Like, uh, no one's touching, uh, Gary Conway, mm-hmm. Gary Conway swamps everybody with, cause he worked on, you know, it, um, amazing and web and spec. He, he, he was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and no one's going to, I think ever reach the volume of, of work, the, the body of work that Gary Conway's amassed. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, and Brian working on ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. uh, you know, well past a hundred. It's so damn impressive. So they're, they're guys. That, but when you, you just look at it, amazing, you narrow the focus. Yeah. I, I survived, um, one of the reasons I survived was Dying Wish and what the stories were doing after Dying Wish, which leads you to Superior Spider-Man. Um, because this stuff was already in play and already in place. And they're all talking about drastic shakeups. And I'm like, we got one on Spider-Man anyway. You know, the timing works out perfectly. We have our big shakeup. Um, th- there there was that that moment where... Because we all knew it was coming. 
You know, I see this stuff online where it's a response to new 52. <laughs> um, but I'm somebody in the room and I can tell you the way it happened was we all saw this coming. Um, you, you had these, these magic moments that were coming up where uh, Ed Brubaker was for some time saying, I'm coming off a cap. You know, this is, this is, these are all the stories I want to tell. And when Jonathan Hickman uh, was given FF at his first retreat, he opened up all his Jonathan Hickman sketchbooks. If you've ever seen these, they're, they're crazy. He's Jonathan has like his design sense. Like when you see something like um, uh, secret warriors, like, and there are all those designs on all the bases and all the logos, Jonathan designed those. Um, and his typography just out of his hand is gorgeous. So he's written all these elaborate flow charts and outlines and things that all come together. And, and when he was unveiling all this stuff at his first retreat, uh, talking about FF, he was mapping out this Uber story that went on for years and kept building. And then the council of reeds do this and this happens. And, 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 you know, it, it just kept building. And everything that he said he was going to do, he did. You know, people were laughing like, yeah, you're going to hit that in year two, <laughs> you know. And, and you know, everyone was like, no one was taking this seriously. Like, this guy's crazy. Like, he's got, like, planned out, like, 100 issues, of, you know. Um, and he did it. He nailed it. And it was fantastic. It was just one of the most seminal runs of a Marvel book. It was great stuff. Um, but we knew where the end point was, you know, because Hickman was resolute. This is this giant Uber story I want to tell, and here's where it ends. So we knew that was coming. And Brian was like, I think I'm done with Avengers. I've been doing this for eight years, you know, and multiple books mm -hmm. and giant company-wide crossovers that sprung out of them. And, you know, boy, it's an era, the Bendis era of Avengers, where it, it ruled the roost of the comic book industry. You know, not, you know, he could have had his own side company, Bendis Comics, and he would have kicked everybody's ass. You know, um, this was the Bendis Avengers era, and but he knew it was coming to an end. And he went, I, so we had these three pivotal things that were all coming up and all wrapping um, at the same time. It was just the stars were aligning. And Matt said, you know, if I start double shipping, I can wrap up where I want to take Iron Man and where I want to take Thor. You know, I, I, I think I can hit that same zone. And suddenly we realized we had all these guys, uh, you know, our, our heaviest hitters were all r ramping up to something. And then it became one, one meeting. Brian was like, what if this is the thing? What if we all change up? You know, we're, what if we all change partners? We all, we, and that would be exciting. You know, because it's not just it's not just this guy switches over to that book and it's that. It, it would be we all start our next big runs. Um, and and there was this energy in the room, and, and Brian and people are like, and you could write Cap, and you could write Iron Man, Thor, <laughs> you could do this, and everyone was getting jazzed. Everyone was getting really pumped about this, and, and you could do that, and 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 and, so, and someone goes to me and like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, Spider Man. <laughs> I was I was the guy that was just like being a dick about it. 
<laughs> you know, oh, but come on, Dan, everybody's doing it. And I'm like, get the hell away from me. <laughs> I got Spider-Man. I got, like, you think I'm giving this? Come on, come at me. I'll cut you. I'll cut you. Come on. So uh, I, I was just not budging. Um, cause this is the dream, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm having a good run here. You know, people seem to be digging it. We're, we're solid as a rock with our sales. Um, you know, let us keep doing this. I got stories for, you know, a zillion years. I, I love Spider-Man and, it, and it's going places. It's moving places. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, that was me and God bless them. They, they, even though I was like the, the staunch guy, they let the universe bend and move and shift and they let me keep my spot. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for everybody being so accommodating um, and for everybody being so supportive. So, you know, it's, this is an honor. This is a privilege to be here. You know, Spider-Man is the face of Marvel comics. You know, when you see that Marvel logo, there's a reason why it's always Spider-Man jumping down on top of it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when you have the Thanksgiving Day Parade, there's a reason it's the Spider-Man balloon. Um, it's it's kind of this thing where I kind of think of it as the butterfly effect, and I don't mean the time travel effect. Um, I mean, you know, you can walk around and not think about butterflies, but if someone says butterfly, um, you suddenly notice, oh, my God, there's a butterfly. So I'm very keen to, like, when I'm walking around, like, oh, my God, look at Look at that lady. She's walking by with a Spider-Man umbrella. And that guy, he's got a Spider-Man jacket. And look at that kid with his Spider-Man toy. It's like everywhere. Um, I, I'm really aware of how much Spider-Man means to everyone. Um, how much, you know, and my, my apartment here, if you can see it, it's like, it looks like a Spider-Man toy store blew up. <laughs> and the scary thing was, it's always looked like that. <laughs> it's, you know, it looks like when I was working on She-Hulk. It looked like that when I thought, when I was working at DC and I, I never thought I'd be able to get back to Marvel. You know, I just, I love Spider-Man. Uh, so this is, you know, I, I, I get it. I get it when I see everybody um, on the internet, you know, responding on my Twitter like, what are you doing? And I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, so how many stories do you have, like, you know, without going into details, obviously, you know, you, so Superior Spider-Man, I mean, do you have like a game plan? Like, I mean, do you have like maybe like next six months, next year? Six months? I don't know. <laughs> oh, dude. I, we, um, when we were at the, uh, not the last Marvel retreat, it was two Marvel retreats ago. Um, we had MTV Geek filming there. Uh, mainly, I think to do like wrap up of stuff for AVX and to, to show us, um, start, you know, like behind the scenes stuff for the launching of Marvel now. Yeah, that's what it was for the Marvel now stuff. You know, they were doing this whole big behind the scenes. They couldn't reveal till later. Like they had to lock it up and put it in the vault. Um, so they were there at one of our big Marvel now retreats. Um, and one of the things we were doing was we're going like a lot of us knew from the retreat before that, what books everybody had and what everyone's basic plans were uh, in broad strokes. But this was the retreat where everybody going around the table was going to walk everybody through a year of their book. You know, take you all the way up to a full year. Um, You know, maybe allude to what you're doing the year after, but 
go into detail so that everybody knows at the retreat, ah, this is where Thor will be. This is where Hulk will be. This is like, you know, if you want to tie it into your books. Um, so we're, we're walking everybody through the year. And what was great was like after I walked everyone through uh, a year of Superior Spider-Man, the first year, um, everybody's sitting around the table and normally people are like picking at it or, you know, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, or that screws up what I want to do. Everyone was just into it and listening. Um, and uh, Rick Remender was throwing out some suggestions and Matt Fraction threw out some suggestions, but everything was kind of additive. Like, have you thought you could take it this direction too? Yeah, I thought about that and we're doing this and we're just talking and talking. And um, Axel gets up at one point and he goes, you know, you... <laughs> this is not an insult, <laughs> but he goes, usually when I hear your stuff, I, it sounds like fanfic to me, but this is a roller coaster. I got to hold on. He was like, I hadn't seen Axel ever that excited about something I'd done. He was like really into it. And, and the kicker was after this was done, um, when, when we were all like wrapping up, I had to, I was checking some emails and everyone else had like gone off and said their goodbyes and I'm like left in the room and the guys from MTV were wrapping up all their cable. There are a number of these guys and they're looking around and looking around and making sure no one can sees anything. And then the minute they see like they're clear, they all run over to me. And I'm like, what? And they're in the room. They're sworn to secrecy. They've signed their uh, DNAs and, um, they look at me like, and? and I'm like, what? And what? He's like, what happens next? <laughs> <laughs> like they just heard a year. <laughs> They're like, and one guy's like, I don't read comics. I would read that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, we're good, we're good. And the other thing that happened at the re- at the same retreat was, uh, and this had never happened to me um, at one of these retreats where. Normally, we, we go to a different location, um, and we go to a different location so that editors can't keep running back to their offices and check their emails and do their, you know, and work. You know, you want everyone focused on the retreat. But uh, some scheduling thing happened, and we had to actually have the retreat at Marvel, which we usually don't do. So, of course, the second there's any break, everyone races back to their office. They're like, you know, because everyone wants to get their books out, you know, and they're in the office. You, you can't not shut that. That's the way an editor's brain works. Um, so I, I go over to the Spider-Man office just to hang out in between the break. And when I leave the office, I, I'm walking down editor's row. And one by one, all these editors were popping out and pulling me in going, I just want you to know that your, you know, your pitch for the first year was awesome. Like this never happened to me. It was like every single guy had to pull me in and go like, that was really good. So I'm, I'm feeling very, very good about superior Spider-Man. Um, and then there's all this stuff on top of that. Like we got, we got Ryan Stegman and we got Umberto Ramos and we got Giuseppe Camicoli. We, we've got the best art team in comics. These guys, you know, as happy as I am about the status of the book and what we're doing and, and working on Spidey, it's the art these guys are turning in that's really jazzing me the most. Um, I, I can't wait for people to see this book. It's going to be something special. And it's still going to be uh, twice a month? Twice a month. Don't I know it. 
See, and and even though reading six ninety eight and you know having a having an idea, I, I still don't think I know what what your hook. And I don't know if I should call it a hook. I, I I still think that there's there's more that's going to happen. Good. Like I I have no I I mean I maybe I'm just skeptical, but I think something different is going to be happening in Superior Spider Man, and I have no idea. I'm not telling you. And that that's how I want it. I'm I'm glad not to know because I want to be able to read that first issue, you know, hold it in my hand and then figure out like what the heck you're doing and, and, and just experiencing it. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with what we're doing. I'm very happy with where the stories are going. Um, I'll leave it at that. It's, it's hard not to talk about stuff without spoiling it. Yeah. Um, right now it's, it's weird. Cause like, I'm like, while I'm talking to you, I really should be scripting this issue. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's it's weird because I'm kind of bifurcated because I'm watching everyone's reactions to six nine eight, and when this comes out, people are going to go out and see six nine nine, and I can't tell you how many times I've read and reread and reread seven hundred. Um, like we've been getting news about the retailer orders and how big the issue is going to be, and there's this insane pride that I have that oh thank God. Thank God that if they ordered X amount of this issue, it's this one. Because <laughs> I'm I'm very mu- I'm so happy with issue seven hundred. Uh Steve Wacker and Ellie Pyle really put together this great package. Uh, it's I'm ah it's 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 a good one. I dying the dying wish arc six nine eight six nine nine seven hundred not only have we been building to it for quite some time and, and laying, laying the track and the groundwork for it, um, but it, it really is like my favorite arc of the entire big time run. I'm, I'm really glad we're, we're going out on this one. Now, how, how do you feel about the title changing? Does that, that affect you at all? I mean, you know, 50 years of Amazing Spider-Man, now there is no Amazing Spider-Man. It's Superior Spider-Man. Um, it's daunting. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of scary to be the guy you know in in the writing chair uh, when you're doing that, um, you know. But at the other, on the flip side, it's not an unbroken chain. the The book was canceled in 1999 mm-hmm. and, and relaunched. Yeah, you know, I, I would feel a lot weirder if it hadn't in 1999. But since it's all, since we're not dealing with an unbroken chain, I I feel okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's almost like you imagine if the internet was the force it was today, if it was that back then. Imagine all the people losing their collective crap when nineteen when when that issue ended. Yeah. And imagine how they would feel now, looking back at those, you know, posts. Yeah, because I mean the way it works with that, you know, like Marvel's notorious for renumbering. You know, it's like like with Captain America. I mean, there's been so many volumes of Captain America, you know, since Brew Baker has been writing, and then I've, I've lost track at how many times they've relaunched Avengers while Bendis was on it. Yeah, but it's like it's like how many Avengers ones has he written? <laughs> and then they 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 gather them all up, and it's like, oh, this is the fiftieth issue. Like with Captain America, it was like issue fifty. Then the next month it was like issue six hundred, because then you know they they gather them all up and no I, I i hear you you know you're talking to somebody who worked on she hulk 100 <laughs> when it was the third issue of the second volume 
you know, because they added up the burn run and the savage she hulks mm-hmm. and my she hulk run with Juan and uh, you know, and then they they with our second volume, our our third issue was our one hundredth issue. <laughs> so you know that crazy numbering is always going to be around. Um, I'm not going to bat an eye mm-hmm. if uh, you know we work on Superior for a couple of years and then someone comes along and goes, "Bam!" You know, amazing. Yeah. You know, I don't think that will cause me any kind of grief. Um, I'll go, yeah, of course they were going to do that. Um, but I can't focus about that and I can't think about that. What I have to focus on is making Superior the best damn comic I can and um, working with my guys. Um, that's that's what I got to focus on. Um, now, with, with all of this Doc Ock and everything coming up, I haven't really heard anyone talk about Norman Osborn. It's like that, that that there was it was in the issue in the same issue. It's like his bed's empty. Where's he at? The, the whole room was empty. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I guess there's well, nothing yeah. you can say about that. No, I mean because here's the thing. I, one of my favorite arguments I've seen online is where were the guards? <laughs> you know that um, <laughs> because the last time we see him, he's a notorious criminal, and he had the super adaptoid stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, the Avengers are, and then he went into the coma. And he's like, you know, you wouldn't leave, you know, Hitler. <laughs> Hitler was in a coma. You wouldn't leave him without guards. Um, but the thing is, if there were guards in the room, that would be a pretty crappy reveal. Yeah. What, Norman's going? Yes, he beat us up. He went that way. <laughs> That's a terrible panel. No, it's completely gone. It's com- The room is completely empty and devoid. What happened? What happened? Curtains fluttering in the breeze. You never saw a body, and you never saw if he was in that room to begin with. So, there you got to you got to put on your comic book hat and go. What's going on? Yeah, and, you know, and we off Roderick Kingsley's head. <laughs> Guys, we got it worked out. <laughs> uh, little faith, little faith. Have, have you started thinking about an annual yet? Superior Spider-Man annual, like, do I'm, I'm going to say yes. Okay, because there it, you go, Comic Vine, Comic Vine exclusive. Because <laughs> because I, I was talking to another creator, and I, I guess I, I shouldn't say who, but I, it was actually a DC creator about like back in the old days, like with Spider-Man, you used to have those backups. Like, here's how his web shooters work. Here's how his mask works. And, oh, we're way ahead of you. <laughs> okay. so no but yeah i would i you know i i say this now but the one thing you you know the first thing that goes out the window is the plan um so yeah i, I would love to do an annual um and and we've been talking about it but you, you know you won't know till we get there yeah well, uh, i can't i can't really confirm stuff what i uh, one of the things i can confirm is that uh uh chris yost and i have been putting our heads together uh, we have something really cool <laughs> for something really cool and spidery because um, he's do, he's doing avenging Spider-Man okay. and Scarlet Spider. Um, so uh, we, we've got some really cool kind of really it's it's one of the most guilty pleasure ideas we we could come up with. So I, I think there's going to be a point where. Oh, when we're ready to reveal more about it, we will. But 
I can't imagine a, a Spider-Man fan in the world when they hear what the premise is going, I'm not going to try that. It's so big and awesome uh, and so spidery that it, I think it's going to freak people out. Mm. It, it, it's it's really going to get like, you know, and this is coming from like, you know, King of the Fanboys over here. It, it, it lights up every fanboy light on the dial. And you just go, ah, <laughs> must read. I, I would, one of the things I, I do uh, when I'm stuck, um, you got to have your guys that are your springboards, your guys that you bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. And I'm very fortunate that one of the guys in my, my rota is uh, Marcos Martin. Because mm-hmm. I, I find sometimes it, it really helps to talk, not just to new artists, but it really helps me to have guys in my think tank that are spaced out around the world. Because and thanks to Skype, you can call them for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really helps because if I'm doing an all-nighter, I can't call my regular guys because they'll be asleep. Mm-hmm. Marcos is in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> so at 3 in the morning, I can, I can call Marcos. Um, well, feel free to call me anytime if, if you need. <laughs> oh, I can, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. You'll blab. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was... I was walking him through the thing that Chris and I have been building and cobbling together. And when he heard one of the ideas, he was like, call up Steve, tell him I want to draw that cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, everyone's going to want to draw that cover. <laughs> it's, it's like, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. You see, this is the fun of it is that it's, it's the greatest job in the world. Um, you know, like I think Steve just gave away. Uh, so by now on Wednesday, this is old news because he gave it away in the Newsarama interview. Uh, we we're, we're, we got a cardiac story coming. You know, cardiac is one of those fan favorite characters. You're like, oh, I love that guy. Yeah. I remember when Eric Larson was drawing him, staff in the blue face with the <laughs> and all the stories <laughs> of medical stuff. Oh, cardiac. Uh, yeah, we got a cardiac story coming. We got we got. So much fun stuff. We, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, it, it's fun. You get to map out this stuff far ahead of time. You get to, you know, play around with all your favorite toys. Um, it, it's the best job in the world. It's the best job in the world. It, you know, if, if there's ever a time where I wake up and, you know, I'm like, uh, I have to write Spider-Man, that's when you stop. You know, it's more like you wake up and it's every morning I get to write Spider-Man. Um, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to have a better job than this in my entire life. Um, it's, it's just the coolest gig. Yeah, and we're so thankful that you're still on. So, I mean, I, I've been tell, telling everyone, you know, they're like, where should I start? I was like, start at big time. Uh, but the, the, the trick is, you know, I can't, as much as I love Spider-Man, sometimes, you know, you can't, you can't write Spider-Man if you're not going to, uh, you know, throw the Parker Luck at him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that Parker Luck bites a little too hard. And you have these great moments of tragedy. Um, and we're coming up to one where when it's done, hmm. so big that... Peter Parker is in Spider-Man. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, it, uh, see, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, ah, you'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But 
you got to know it's all done out of, you know, at its core, trying to do the best Spider-Man book possible. And I can already hear everybody on Comic Vine screaming, but you can't do a Spider-Man comic without Peter Parker's Spider-Man. They're a little more reasonable on Comic Vine. And and it didn't work. If it didn't work once, you can't ever try it again. Exactly I felt about trying to get men to the moon. Because, I mean, I, I wrote, wrote an article about when, when your favorite character is quote-unquote ruined. And, oh. and it, it got a lot of views and people had stuff to say. But the, the main thing is you just got to be patient. You know, like I, I touched on like when, when Superman turned blue and electrical – you know, it's going to go, you know, Captain America quit, became the captain, you know. Oh, my. And, but, dude, dude, wasn't it awesome to have Bucky Cap? Yeah. Wasn't that a great run, a cap? Yeah. Or, you know, I, or or when Dick Grayson twice mm-hmm. became Batman. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, you can do this. You can do this. Um, and, and. Um, oh, there's stuff I can't talk about. Okay. But, but I, mean, I, I look at it as, um, like, you know what I've said? Do I, do I like what you've, you've thrown at us? No. Do I like the story? Yes. I love it. You know, because I, I mean, Spider-Man's one of, you know, like Spider-Man and Batman are like, like my favorite characters. And Mike Allred's Madman. But I, I love where this is going. And, you know, you have to shake things up. Otherwise, like you said, it, it's going to be like, you know, Spider-Man stopping a bank robber again. You know, so it's, you, you have a plan. This is going to go somewhere, and as skeptical a skeptical comic reader, at some point things will probably revert, get fixed somehow, you know. And I'm willing to to, to ride this out, and because it's great, and that's what people need to do. Just just have faith. <laughs> oh God, you're making it sound like the Baton Death March. <laughs> if I can just get through this, no, it, it's it's a fun ride, and and no, that's that's a great yeah. thing. It's like when you're reading, uh, you know, Cerebus. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get through all of Cerebus? I, not all of it. Did you stop at Melmoth? Did Melmoth break you? Uh, I think I was, was a little past that. Yeah. Because, like, I remember what it was like reading Melmoth. And, and Sim even acknowledges it. You know, I, I think when it was done, they put out a, uh, a Cerebus T-shirt that said, I survived Melmoth. <laughs> I Where remember like, If I could just get through this story arc, it's hurting me. But I'll get back to Cerebus. Please do more like I Society, please. Ow. You know, so, but, you know, I, this, this ain't that. This is, <laughs> this is, oh my, what's going on? And, and, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for people to read Superior Spider-Man. I'm so jazzed for it. I can't wait to read it too. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not, as a Spider-Man fan, I'm not crazy about the possible potential, but I'm loving. Why can't he be happy? <laughs> I am happy because I'm so Why excited. Did Charlie Brown just kicked the football. It's right there. It would make me so happy if Charlie Brown kicked the football. <laughs> Anyways, uh, one one of the new things we did this month is is like like the top of the poll list. We're, so we're doing an article like the different writers on Comic Vine, like our top favorite comics of the month. Amazing six ninety eight was one of my my top five. Oh, thank you. So, so there you go. Yeah, How- it's 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 dude. The, the the stuff we've been hearing, like if you follow my Twitter, I I like <laughs> I've been taking perverse pleasure in posting the most crazy town banana pants uh, responses. You know, the people who've just really lost their shit. Um, 
that's because those are the funniest tweets. I did see one where um, someone had mentioned that they, they, they loved your stuff. They started following you. Then it was like a week later, they're like just saying all this stuff. And, and you right. responded like, it's, it's amazing what a week does. Oh, yeah. I posted like the tweet he made from a week ago. Yeah. Then the tweet he just made, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to backtrack. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, but the, the stuff I've been retweeting is, uh, you know, I'm going to break the illusion now. It's the minority. Mm-hmm. And most of the people who are, who are tweeting me, and I, I just, I've been terrible. I haven't been re- uh, retweeting it because I didn't want people to go look at the ego on him. <laughs> Because it's it's really been an avalanche of, of everyone just really digging six nine eight, um, especially the people who who came in cold, who, who didn't see anything on the internet. Um, they just they just freaked out. What this is all the thing I my my favorite thing about six nine eight is that it the the my favorite response we're getting is people talking about it after their second read, after their third read, yeah. After fourth read and i'm like you know that is the best compliment you can ever get is that so and yeah we kind of wrote it and we designed it that way that it was that you got at least a different reading out of it the second time Mm -hmm. but um i I, it's the nicest compliment in the world that people go back and reread um that's all i can ask for like you know i'm so much happier when i'm at a signing or a con um when someone pulls the bat of the comic out of the mylar and it is beat to hell that that's the biggest compliment you can get not not the one that's like oh it's pristine and it's mint (laughs) you know no i love it when the thing's falling off the staples it's like thank you i'm that that is that's really made my day how are we doing on time you gotta yeah we're we're good We we should probably wrap okay so um thank you so much and like i said you know i i'm loving everything and I think I mean the response has been good and it it going to 698 is going to second printing I think that they announced that like the day it came out it it uh yeah it's it's like my big my big thing I did for my all the hype was <laughs> my tweet to retailers to tell them you didn't order it up yeah. and then we did the uh at uh New York Comic Con they Marvel brought me on as like a last minute person to speak to the retailers at the retailer breakfast to go, yep, it's me. You didn't order enough. <laughs> Just to reiterate what you saw on the internet, you know, not pulling your leg. I'm, I look at my earnest face. Uh, so that that's about like all we did. Um, and as more word got out, you know, everyone, the closer you hit to that uh, FOC, the final order cutoff, more people kept ordering. And Marvel went out of their way to do uh, a nice, sizable uh, overprint, and everyone ate through it. So it, it was sold out on a distributor level yeah. uh, before it ever came out. We already had to rush to a second printing. So thank you, thank you, thank you, retailers, for doing that. Thank yeah. you very much. And thank you for, for writing it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dan, for eating chocolate. <laughs> so um, I had to do it, Tony. Someone had to eat that chocolate. It was sitting there. No, it's it, that, that's what it feels sometimes. It's like uh, I I was working on um, like a Marvel Comics present story back in the day when I had hair, and I just had so much fun writing an eight page Marvel story. Um, and back in those days, I you know anytime I got like an eight page story or the, an annual backup, in my mind I was thinking this is it. This might be the only other thing you ever write. 
you know, because as you're trying to break in, like if you don't catch hold and, and I was already coming to that mental place where I was going and that would be fine. You know, I got to do an eight page, uh, two gun kid story with Gil Kane. Wow. From after that, everything was gravy. Um, so I, you know, blessed, but I remember, uh, I got to do this story uh, with the Mighty Destroyer, a Stanley World War II character. Um, and I got my, one of my pals, James Fry, drew it. And it was everything I wanted. It was the story that was in my head, and it was on the page, and it's in the Marvel Universe. And it was just – and I, I said to the editor, Terry Kavanaugh, I was like, I would have paid to do this. Hmm. You know, I, you know I, I can't believe you're paying me for this. And he's like, well, if you like it that much, uh, we won't pay you the next time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was, you know, years later I was at DC and, you know, I, I was stuck doing, not stuck, it's a terrible word. I'm very appreciative that I got to do it, but I wanted to work on superheroes and I was working on funny animal books <laughs> and, uh, they just really wanted me to do more of them and they wanted me to do more and more and more and more. And I, I wanted to, I, I want to work on Batman and Superman and the creeper and the doom patrol. You know, and I'm, I'm working on Bugs Bunny and Scooby-Doo. Um, but they just, you know, they like my work and they wanted me to do more. And at one point, and I was slowing down because I was trying so hard to break into other stuff. And, I, and they went, Dan, if, if we paid you more money, would you do more work for us? And I looked at the editor and I went, if you paid me more money, I could afford to do less work for you. <laughs> <laughs> Stupidest thing I ever said. No, but this is, you know, it, it really is like the best job on the planet. It, it really is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I get to do something for a living that there's like a, a zillion guys online doing it as fanfic for free, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm very appreciative of everyone who, who plunks down the three ninety nine and uh, buys the comic. So thank you very much for letting me sit here and write Spider-Man all day. It's great. Thank you. And I will let you get back to scripting. And um, perhaps when, like, uh, Superior Spider-Man comes out, we can have another chat. Okay. Once more of your secrets are revealed, we can. Yes. Um, If you're you're, you're not, like, if if I can, if you have reception in your bunker. Yes. No, I'm I'm going, you know, the the time between 700 and Superior 1, I'm in hiding. (laughs) I, I am so in hiding. Uh, I, I'm doing a signing for 700 at Midtown and here in New York. And I so didn't want to, <laughs> I'm so scared of the people who are going to read it in line. <laughs> Thank God the lead story is 52 pages. You know, maybe, maybe that'll spare me. But, um, you know, I, I hadn't promised me bodyguards in the Pope mobile. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. I, I know, though, that I once Superior One comes out and people read all of Superior One, I, I know that you know I can pop up from the bunker because people will go, oh, 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 and then I'll be like, okay, now I'm safe. Yeah. Uh, you know, they won't be happy; <laughs> they're still going to be mad, but they'll see the method to my madness. I can't wait. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks, and- Tony. So look forward. So for everyone listening, six ninety nine on sale now today. So you should pick that up. And then December twenty sixth is seven hundred and uh, avenging was it fifteen point one? Fifteen point one and read it second. Read it after seven hundred. Okay. And stay off the internet. Well 20, except to go to Comic Vine and 
Yes. We, we try to get everyone to, to use uh, the, the spoiler tags and don't. I when, when I reviewed it. Screw it! Don't even use the spoiler tags. Yeah, just don't. Screw don't. Comic line. Screw it, Tony. No. <laughs> no. For, for, <laughs> I need for, my job. No, no, no. Just for just for thirty six hours. We'll, we'll see. All right. Twenty six. Hide. <laughs> comic Vine, and then just turn on Comic Vine and leave your computer. How about that? Get, give them the hit. Well, they got to click on you know page views and just yeah. close click, your eyes and click click on it and 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 don't look. <laughs> for 36 hours give them your clicks just not your eyeballs all right. 36 hours that's all i'm asking <laughs> 25th through 26 get that comic don't spend, look at the internet spend time with family spent yes <laughs> go wassailing and caroling and 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 frolic in the snow do not get offline until you see this thing um please so they and don't read a newspaper <laughs> uh so okay is, is that your hint that there's going to be a big press? Anything. We'll see. All right. Don't even read warning labels on, on medicine. Don't read anything. Run to your store. Boxing Day. Get the comic. Then, then once you've read it and, 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 and wiped away all the froth from your mouth and the tears from your eyes, um, then, then go online. And, and on the way home, buy some pitchforks and torches. <laughs> You'll need them. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks, Tony. We'll, we'll definitely talk soon. Like, Woohoo! All right, so that was the man, Dan Slot. So he gave us a lot to think about. And for the rest of this portion of the program, I will attempt to answer some of your questions. So Dan had had to run. He's can't keep him from from writing from from scripting those issues. So I I I, just, I don't know what to think. So. On to your question. So this is from Curspace T. Um, so he says, if oh, – I, sh- I should have asked this to Dan, but he had to leave. Um, if in Spider-Man 700, Uncle Ben had returned from the dead and kills Peter, how would fans react? That would be – they would, yeah, Dan would definitely have to go in. That is just insane if that why, – why, Curspace T, why would Uncle Ben kill Peter? Unless, okay, yeah, I can come up with some scenarios, but that that would just be be, be crazy. So, uh, <laughs> would gargoyles and Xanatos be better in DC or Marvel? You know, gray gargoyles. Um, again, I, I this is a similar question to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I, I think they they seem like they would fit better in Marvel. How strong is Caitlin Fairchild? Um, she's very strong. I'm not really sure how strong she is in the DC universe. So. Um, I don't know if they've really touched on that. Why do you think DC Nation was held back? Scheduling for game anniversary proms, milestone rumor, or Stephanie Brown rumor? So yeah, one of the rumors, I I have absolutely not heard anything official about this. Uh, one of the rumors is that there are some rights with the milestone characters, and you know that was causing some problems. Um, the silly one is that... The episode that was supposed to have aired next that I think was on iTunes and it was, was pulled is Stephanie Brown appeared on there. So some people were like, like oh, DC pulled the, the, the episode because she was on there. I, I really don't know what, what, what the problem is. Um, it's supposed to be back in January and it hasn't been canceled. Um, I think one of the voice actors said it was canceled. Um, there's been talk of a Teen Titans series starting up again. So 
I don't see them having both series running at the same time. And these, unfortunately, these, these series, it's like they only last like two or three seasons and then they, they start over. Cause I, I think there's like a formula. There's like a certain number where um, it, it's, it's not really profitable to, to continue it where, the, you know, they just want to stop it and start over with, with a new, you know, franchise or whatever. Um, could Tefe be a member of the Legion of Superheroes if she can't appear in the current era? Um, I, I just, it doesn't seem like they're going to do anything with Tefe. So she's, um, for those who don't know, she's part, um, she's Swamp Thing's daughter. So what Lantern Corps would have been good to see in an ongoing, like the Reds? Um, so I would like to see the Sapphires, but that's just a teenage guy talking. Um, that's hard to say because the problem with like like if you go with the Sinestro Court, I think it would be the same as with like the Red Lanterns, where after a while it's like, are we just going to get a series of them, you know, killing people, just doing bad things? Uh, the, the blue, there, I don't think it's you know i'm trying to think of that the planet that they're on it's like they just sat around by the lake and just just relaxing indigos could be interesting but i don't think that that's 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 a really tough question i don't know who else can hold hold a, a series besides i mean Saf, star sapphires maybe but yeah i don't know um who would you rather have help you in a science project static or spider-man um definitely uh i'd go with spider-man because i like spider-man i not that i don't like static um, would Static and Spider-Man, Peter Parker, get along well? Um, I think they would. And winner in a fight, Static or Spider-Man? I'd have to go with Spider-Man. Just he's got the experience, and and he's got you know they're both smart. But I think he would you know come up with a way to to stop him. Um. Okay. Let's see. So I'm um, I'm all jumbled with the questions with with all these random podcasts with recording podcasts out of order um so i don't think i've read this one yet and if i have i apologize and to the person whose question is you get the your question answered again so it says hey g man i have a couple questions but um so this is from van dyne jd 1991 um so first question is thanos the greatest threat the avengers have faced and if you think so how will they top thanos when it comes to the third event the third Avengers film. Well, the big question is Thanos may not even be in the second Avengers movie. You know, there's been talk that um, he might be in the guardians of the galaxy and the Avengers would be facing someone else. I think for, for an Avengers movie, I would love to see Ultron. And you know, if, if you want to get crazy, what about like King the conquer? I don't know if King would work in a live action movie, but you know, I, I think they need to be really cautious and, and plan this out carefully. You know, how many, movies that they plan on doing in the cycle before they decide they need to reboot it, which I don't even want to think about that. But, you know, you don't want to go all out and, you know, you don't always need these big, huge, epic threats. You know, that's kind of why you have the Avengers. But when you look at Avengers stories, they're not always battling these big, giant cosmic entities. You know, sometimes they take on, you know, like the Wrecking Crew, but I don't know how that would be in a movie. Second question, how would you top threats that Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America will face in Phase 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it comes to Phase 3? I think, you know, you just focus on the storytelling. Again, you don't have to have big, crazy villains all the time. I mean, you can do other things. Like, you know, Captain America 2, it's, you know, about a Winter Soldier. And, uh, you know, you could do other crazy things. Like, maybe he goes to, what's it, Dimension Z, whatever Rick Remender is doing. 
So there, there's there's plenty of things to do. You just get a good writer. You, I mean, there's so much story to these, so much history to these characters. So it could easily, you know, they they can find something. Um, Two Face Seven 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 in the new Iron Man trailer. There's an American themed Iron Man. You guessed that it, he's Rhodey, but it's very possible that it's the same armor that Norman Osborn has when he takes over. Um, yeah, so this is from a month ago. So yeah, it looks like it's an Iron Patriot costume. But it's it's not Norman Osborn. Sony owns Norman Osborn. You're not going to see Norman Osborn, and there's there's no way they they could even try to fit him into the movie. There's like too much history. So I'm assuming that the government's like, okay, you know, Rhodey works for the government. You know, he's going to wear the suit. Let's get let's paint him up, make him more patriotic. So so that's why you see that that cool guy Steven. So Disney just bought Lucasfilms, who also owns Marvel. So I was wondering if you think there might be a possibility of a Star Wars Marvel crossover, like Marvel Universe versus Galactic Empire with each issue having Darth Vader versus Captain America, Chewie versus Beast, Jango Fett versus Iron Man, Yoda versus Thor, or what would be my favorite, Deadpool kills a Star Wars universe, LOL. It's a nice dream, that cool guy, Steven. It's never going to happen. They're not going to do it. I mean, it's just like we haven't seen you know Spider-Man and Mickey Mouse team up, and you know you're not going to going to see that i think that you know disney is being very cautious you know they've paid a lot of money for you know these two companies they're not going to want to alienate i mean so many people were were so you know hesitant cautious angry you know ready to jump all over them so i i think they're going to preserve the integrity i'd like to hope and think that they're going to preserve the integrity of, of each individual property and not just do it because it just it would not fit. I mean, I I just I as much as I, yeah, that'd be kind of cool to see, you know, like a random story, like a what if story, but it's I just don't see it happening. Um, Matt Wing eighty seven. I got a couple complaints about comics that come out nowadays. Why don't publishers number comic pages anymore? It seems like they stopped doing that after the nineties. Uh, I think the the main reason with that, the problem that I would have sometimes is the number gets in the way of. Of the art, um, not all comics have plain panels on the page where you know you could have a number at the bottom, like not affecting the art, you know, underneath the panel or in the corner. You know, sometimes the art, uh, like like thing, I'm just what just came to mind was Kenneth Roqueforts Superman um, last week. You know, if if you had to put numbers on there, it it's kind of distracting. It would it wouldn't be that huge of a deal, but it would kind of take away from the art. So I'm assuming that's why. Every once in a while, you see it in some comics maybe i'm I'm just thinking you know smaller publishers um second question why do comics cost what they cost today 2.99 3.99 do you think they will pass 3.99 someday yes i do it seems we pay 10 cents a page even for the pages with advertisements which those companies should have paid money to put their ad on a page and we shouldn't have paid money for that page when it seems they already paid for that spot I could be wrong on how the cost of issues cost. I feel like comics should be a dollar cheaper if we don't pay for the pages that have ads on them. I don't really know what it is. They, you know, they keep saying um, printing costs increase. You know, uh, they got to chop down the trees to get, to get the paper. And I know people say, "Well, how come digital comics cost the same?" And that's because if if comics were immediately cheaper digitally, then you know people wouldn't be buying printed comics, and then you know comic stores would go out of business, and so. I don't know what it is, but you, you also you look at a lot of the, the indie publishers, and you know sometimes they'll charge like three fifty, and they don't have any ads. 
And, you know, house ads, you don't get any, any money from that. You know, like when in the Marvel comics, they have the, that two page amazing Spider-Man 700 ad. They're not making money off of that. They're promoting of another title in the hopes of selling more of, of that copy, but they're not getting paid versus like if they had Colgate toothpaste in there where they're, they're making some money. Mini bat says, love the podcast. Thanks. Um, um, so see some people, are, I'm not going to say anything, but, um, what's your favorite superhero family in Marvel and DC, like FF power pack bat or flash family. And do you think we should see more of them if we, than we already do? Um, in Marvel, I think it's all about the Fantastic Four. You know, Matt Fraction and Mike already did a great job just showing, you know, like like that first page where you see Franklin and Valeria. I mean, it's it's that's what the Fantastic Four is. They're a family, and I don't think you can really top that. Um, as far as DC, um, it would be great to see, like, you know, as much as I love the Bat family, like, what about the Flash family? You know, I'd, I'd love to see Wally West back and have, you know, Kid Flash in there, like when we had Impulse and, and Max Mercury. I mean, those are some fun times, but don't see that happening anytime soon. Second question, is there a character or characters that you feel like are always in the background in comics, but could be used for so much more? For example, cast from new X-Men like Noel and Blindfold might get one line and scene in the hallway and Wolverine and the X-Men, but never really used, even though they were great characters in older series. I guess it's just it's a matter of what people want, and like with new X Men, I I think there were times where that that series was was on was being threatened to being canceled. I mean, I don't remember people gushing about it, like how much they loved it. You know, it did have its audience, but it, it's it's just it's, it's unfortunate. Um, for me, you know, I I always say Moon Knight. You know, yeah, he just had his his own series lately, but it's like you know he doesn't get a lot of respect, and you know, his series was canceled he's made insane so I'd, I'd go with him you know he it's not quite the same you know he gets a little more time but like where is he at now um he was nowhere during avengers versus x-men you know what could he do against the phoenix force probably not much but you know it would have been nice to see you know he, he could have still beat some people up um what's the best all-age comic you can think of like tiny titans power pack miniseries and little gotham um, definitely, I love Tiny Titans. I mean, that was great. So we have Superhero Family. Last week's issue, it was almost like going back to Tiny Titans because we, we saw a lot, a lot of those characters. So that's great. Um, Adventure Time, well, I don't know if that's – that's almost an all-age for the most part. Um, but there's Young Justice. You know, that, that's, that's good for all ages. And it's because – you want to be careful. You know, you can get some like 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 Looney Tunes and, and Scooby-Doo, but then it, some kids at a certain point, they might be like, this is too kiddie of a comic versus like Young Justice, which I believe is unfortunately getting canceled. I think people have been talking about that. But what's great about Young Justice is it's an all-age book, but it, it's not like completely watered down, like, you know, it's dumbing down for, for you know, young readers. So that's what's what's great about that. Um, and then um, I also like uh, Chris G. Russo's G-Man, so n- not just because of the name, but, I mean, it's hilarious. So you can check that out. Um, what must – what what the – wait. What's the most insane only in comic moment you can think of? Like how Superboy's Prime – Superboy Prime's punch bringing Jason T- – that's, that's about as crazy as you can get. Um, or maybe Amazing Spider-Man 698. <laughs> Uh, Spidey Forever 21. Uh, do you think Michael Bay should make a Transformers 4? 
If so, should they bring in, bring in Unicron and Galvatron? Um, I, I, I don't know about Michael Bay, that guy, but um, I'm sure they, they, there will be another movie. Because aren't they talking about like, um, well, this, okay, this was posted four weeks ago, but like Mark Wahlberg supposedly is tied to it. So we'll have to see what happens there. Will Brainiac be a good villain for the Man of Steel to start the franchise? Um, are you talk- if you're talking about the movie, I don't know. Um, it depends on which incarnation of, of Brainiac you get, I'd have to say. Because um, it, it might be like too much. Um, I know I'm a little behind on the, the, the Twitter questions, so I'm going to try to get through some of these. Um, Josh Co. says, since you're repainting your office... Would you consider painting it in the style of David Aja's Hawkeye art? Um, no. Um, I'd, I'd rather not go with purple. Um, Jeffrey Edge. I think Wolverine's healing factor is a little out of control. He's pretty much invincible. What do you think? I I, I think I'd have to agree. Um, wasn't it during Civil War where he kind of like regenerated from a drop of blood? Almost something. So that's, that's kind of crazy. Um... Barnloaf is Martian Manhunter the most overall powerful hero in the DC universe. I don't know if I would go with that. Um, you know, he's a powerful guy. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think. Of, you know, what makes you think that? Um, I haven't been. Re- I've been reading Stormwatch off and on, so I, I can't really respond in in regards to how he's been portrayed in New Fifty Two. But you know, we had Superman bench pressing five times the planet's weight or some crazy thing that Scott Lobdell did. So I don't. I don't know. Um, and this is funny. Barnloff says, should Hugh Jackman play an age Wolverine in days of future past? And this was asked on November 11th. And last week it was announced that Hugh Jackman was in talks. So that may have been confirmed by this point. So you're, you were onto something Barnloff. Someone must've heard you. Um, another one from Josh code. Do you know how Deadpool went from having no healing factor, regaining it, all his scars in Deadpool number one? So it was in the the last issue of of his previous series where you know he had the serum that negated his healing factor. It was just a temporary cure, so he got his healing factor back. Um, the scars and everything is he was. It, I mean, the the serum wore off, and he's just was getting beat up left and right in the, those last couple issues. Okay, so. There are those. And let's go with, with these. Um, so this, the last question I think I'm going to touch on for today is from N15 Lancer. So he says, do we really need reviews? What's their pros and cons? So that's a, a good question. And obviously that's something that affects me it's like we we do need reviews in in the what what people need need to keep in mind with reviews is reviews for for anything you know if you're reviewing you know comic books if you're reviewing movies if you're reviewing appliances every review is a person's opinion so what you need to do and i'm not saying you know if, if i absolutely love a comic I'm not saying that, that that's my word is law. I mean, whether it should be or not, that, that's up to you to decide. What you need to do 
you know, if we're just talking about Comic Vine, you need to to get a feel for each of, of the reviewers. You need to know like what I like, what Sarah likes, what Matt likes, what Greg likes, and then you know, kind of base it off of that. So if you like a lot of the same issues that I like, like, you know, stuff that I give a five, if you agree with that, stuff that I would give a three, you know, then you kind of have a feel where it when the next issue comes out, if if I say this is a four, you have an idea what to expect. And for some people, they don't buy the same comics all the time. You know, a lot of people are, are on a budget. They might say, I'm going to just get this arc. I'm not sure if I should jump on here. And, you know, that that's something else that's covered in reviews. You know, is it a good jumping on point? Can you, you know, read this or do you have to have read the last, you know, 20 issues? So, you know, there are definite um, pros to reviews so you can have an idea. Maybe, a, you know, comic last minute change has a different artist. It's like just insane. And it just, it, you know, ruins the feel of, of the story. That's something else that, that, you know, people should be aware of because there's been times you look at the solicit and then you get the issue and it, the story is not even what was solicited. You know, sometimes changes happen at the last minute. So, you know, there, there are advantages just to give people an idea of what to expect. And, you know, some people, they, they wait till the trade paperbacks come out and, you know, they may look at the reviews and say, okay, this entire, you know, these issues have only been getting like, like threes or twos. I'm probably not going to want to pick up that trade. I mean, but again, you need to read the reviews, you know, so that's why don't just get hung up on, on the, the, the rating, you know, just, just read the words and see what you think. And if you agree with what we're saying and, you know, you don't have to agree with it, you don't have to like it, but each review is an opinion. So it, it's by no chance the deciding factor it shouldn't be the only deciding factor. And I always say, you know, if, if you don't agree with, with anyone's review, write your own review, you know, get your word, express yourself. Don't just say you're wrong. Just, you know, put it out there because then that way it, it adds to other people, you know, they, they can take your bit of information as well. So that's my spiel on on reviews. Um, but what it comes down to is, you know, you have to be capable of making your own decision. You take these other things, you consider them, and then you go from there. All right. So that is the podcast for today. Um, so, again, thanks to Dan Slot. Pick up. Amazing Spider-Man six ninety nine. If if hopefully you've been enjoying it, like you know, as, as I told Dan, I love Spider-Man. I'm not crazy about about the switch, about what happened, but I absolutely cannot wait to see where he's going to go. And I think we're we're not done with the surprises. I I have a feeling that something crazy is going to happen in seven hundred. That's going to, you know, I don't think six ninety eight. I don't think that was was the the crazy thing. I think there's still something else coming. So. We need to prepare ourselves for that. So thanks for listening. If you want to ask some questions, um, we will have, have more questions answered. We'll, we'll try to get back. The la- last few times have been kind of crazy. Like when, when Scott was on, you know, he was limited with, with time too, so we didn't get to as many questions as normally um, that I would have liked. And same thing with Dan. You know, He had to run too. Um, I will say that next week, um, the podcast has already been recorded. We actually have a live guest, so it's not going to be a Skype person. Someone was actually in town, um, and maybe you caught it on Twitter. Or any, I don't know if, if you have an idea, but there is a person, a writer, that will be in the studio. And um, I mean, even I even let let Sarah sit in uh, on that too. So something to look forward to next week. So keep asking your questions. 
Um, I may jump on. I, I, I get. A, I don't remember how long that that podcast was last week. Whether I'll just jump in and answer some more questions, or or else the following week we'll try to get some more questions. So you can ask me on the on the general forum, general discussion. Go to the Ask G Man video questions. Um, there's just a so I'm I'm through with page twenty two. So we need more questions. There's three more pages there. So you, you got to ask the questions. Ask me on Twitter. So my, my Twitter name is G-Man from Heck. And use the hashtag AskGMan. And your questions will be asked. Or your questions will be answered, possibly with a guest. So thanks for listening again. I appreciate everything you guys do. Submitting your questions, listening to me. This has been the Invincibly Super Massive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I will talk to you guys next week. So, so my question, my question is, is, who could it be? We don't know. And I would like to ask you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. I'll shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, 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 I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. I give this a two. <laughs>